0: Hey, everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. What's the first thing that you think of when you hear the word miracle? I'm guessing a small percentage of you, you hear Al Michaels' voice from the 1980 Olympics uh, screaming in your head Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Uh, that U.S. hockey team was given zero chance to win the game against the Soviets. And that's why it's literally called the miracle on ice. Um, Some of you probably think of your child being born, uh, or the intricacies of the eye or your ear, something else like that. Or maybe when you hear the word miracle, you think uh, the thing that comes to mind is a night sleeping without the kids waking you up. Or some of you hear the word miracle and you think fake. Uh, Because miracles are hard to believe, right? Even if we were to see them right in front of us, it's hard to believe. A few weeks back, I watched a video uh, of a claimed miracle. A a woman with a disfigured arm was being prayed for, and they were throwing water on her arm. And right before your eyes, you saw her arm start to straighten. I gotta be honest with you, I, I still don't know what I think about that video. Was I watching the real thing, or was it some doctored video? I don't know. Doubting miracles is not a surprise though, right? It's really hard for us to believe that which we can't explain. Even when we see miracles, our minds, over time, tend to tell us that there has to be a logical explanation for what happened. A great example of it is the ten plagues. Uh, Moses goes to Pharaoh and tells him to let the Israelites go out of Egypt. And ten times, God does some crazy miracle in front of them. And ten times, Pharaoh ends up coming back to the idea that mm, it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. You and I read that and we're like, dude, how could Pharaoh be so stupid? Obviously, miracles are happening. Obviously, God is showing himself to Pharaoh. How could he be so dumb? But then we have a check handed to us at just the exact time that it needed to be handed to us. And at first, it seems like a miracle. And then after a while, we're just kind of thankful for the good turn of fortune at the opportune time. Or we're distracted while we're driving and we come to our senses just in time to see that the car in front of us has stopped. And we scold ourselves to never be distracted again like that. And we don't see the miracle that God attended to us in just the nick of time so that we wouldn't end up a sad statistic. It's human nature to discount the miraculous. Uh, Here's something that C.S. Lewis actually says in his book God in the Dock. He says, No doubt, most stories of miracles are unreliable. But then, as anyone can see by reading the papers, so are most stories of all events. It's like he's reading our news and watching our news, our news clips, right? He said, each story must be taken on its merits. What one must not do is to rule out the supernatural as the one impossible explanation. Again, it's human nature to discount the miraculous, but it's God's nature to do the miraculous. The supernatural should never be ruled out. And the truth is, to God, the miraculous isn't even miraculous. It's just natural. Maybe we struggle with the miraculous because we think of everything like it's this big miracle, and by thinking of everything as a miracle, our minds can't even comprehend an all-powerful God doing a miracle because we think it's too big. Uh, Here's something that Jurgen Moltmann once said. He said, Jesus' healings are not supernatural miracles in a natural world. They are the only natural thing in a world that is unnatural, demonized, and wounded. I absolutely love that thought. Seriously, we live in an unnatural world. The scientific community has all its theories about how the world came about. Gases and elements exploding together and setting off a massive event that began the whole creation of the world. But even with that, there's no explanation of where all those gases and elements came from to set things in motion. Whether you believe that God created the world in six days or that a big bang caused everything, I just don't think there's any way around this idea that this world Is a miracle. Life itself is unnatural. The only natural thing is that God majors in the unnatural. Everything about God is supernatural. But what does that matter? It matters because it means that the painful impossibilities of your life are not in fact impossibilities. Those impossibilities are situations that God, by his nature, is capable of turning into stories of good. God is able to move in your life without limits because God has no limits. And so today, we're, we're going to look at the miracle that God finally brought about in Abraham and Sarah's life. You know, throughout this series at Central that we've titled Move, we've seen God promising something great to these two people, the promise of a son, but now they're like 90 years old and still nothing. But that ends today. Today, we're going to read of the miracle. And, but is it really a miracle if it's totally in God's nature to make it happen? Today, there's two parts to this story, and the first part here is the pronouncement of the pregnancy. Genesis 18, verses 1 through 15. It's a little bit longer, but stick with me here. It's a, it's a great story. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of, to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you'll be refreshed, and then go on your way, now that you've come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seals of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to his servant, who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? they asked him. They're in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself. As she said, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. Now I'm sorry, but that last verse kind of cracks me up. don't you hate laughing at the wrong time? How many married people in here have gotten into a fight because one of you laughed at the other person at the wrong time? I got a friend who he actually has trouble going to funerals and not laughing. He gets so uncomfortable when he's, when he's uncomfortable, which is at a funeral, he gets uncomfortable, and so he tends to laugh. And that's not a good time to laugh, right? Um, my, at my own college graduation, the commencement speaker, he kept on saying this one word, over and over, that, that me and my buddy that was sitting next to me, we started laughing every time he said it. It was a very junior high moment for me at a time where I was getting my college degree. I should have been better. I'm not proud of it. But it was all I could do to keep from laughing. Uh, my family and I, we, we laugh every time my mom falls. I know it's a really horrible thing, but I'm, so, I'm sorry. It's kind of funny. And we'll deny it to her like, no, we didn't, we didn't laugh, but she'll say exactly what the Lord says here to Sarah. Yes, you did laugh. Why did Sarah laugh? She laughed because she didn't believe that, the, that such a miracle was possible for her. At 90 plus years old, Sarah just didn't see it happening that she could have a child. Now, can we blame her? Not really. In verse 11, it says that she was past the age of childbearing. In other words, to get a little technical here, she probably had gone through menopause. Her body was no longer producing what it needed to produce to make childbearing possible. But can we just dig into that for a little bit here? Because I came across something that was really quite fascinating. I want to make it clear that what I'm about to say, it's not 100% ironclad that this is exactly what happened in this story about Sarah. But it makes a lot of sense. And here's why I think that it might make a difference. It's really two reasons that I want to talk about this. Number one, we need to keep our eyes open to the small miracles that might be right in front of us. And number two, God's hands are never tied from doing a miracle just because you aren't ready for it. Now, to that, some of you might counter with, well, Jesus Jesus couldn't perform a miracle in that one town because the people didn't believe. And yes, that's true, but he wasn't forced into not performing a miracle because of the lack of belief. He simply used it as a reason at that time not to make it happen. Our not being ready for God to move doesn't make it impossible that he will. Okay, so now going back to this interesting... um, Possible, but not 100% sure scenario that we've got with Sarah. We know that she's old and she's probably, she's already physically probably gone through menopause. It says in the scripture she was past childbearing age. But something is a little bit odd with this story that we just read. We read that when these three men who are treated in the passage as being the Lord, when they came to visit Abraham, Sarah was in her tent. She wasn't out waiting on these visitors she remained in the tent. <laughs> and that maybe doesn't seem like it's, it's all that big of a deal, but it, it might be a huge deal because, in fact, the most common reason that a woman in that time would be confined to her tent and why she wouldn't come out of that tent was because she was menstruating. Okay, now, I'm sorry if it seems weird to, to, to mention that in a sermon, but I think it's important to the story. You Think about it. If God were going to make a miracle baby happen for Abraham and Sarah, He wasn't going to just make it be an immaculate conception like he does with Jesus. Jesus is God's one and only son. The child of Abraham and Sarah had to be the child of both Abraham and Sarah. And so it would reason that Sarah would likely have to, if she's gone through menopause, begin to go through her cycle again so that she would have the eggs necessary in her body for a baby to be conceived. And the more I think about this, the more it makes sense that this is the reason that Sarah was probably in her tent. Women who were going through their cycle, they were viewed as unclean. They couldn't touch anyone. They really had to stay away. And that's why they would stay in their tents. Now here's the question. Is a miracle already happening to Sarah before the Lord even says that she's going to have a child? And was she hesitant to believe that she could possibly be going through this normal female cycle again after so many years without it? And even in the face of so much evidence saying that she might just become pregnant again, Again, was she still too stubborn to see the possibility of her miracle that she would laugh it off? Now again, to be clear, there, there's some conjecture for why Sarah was in her tent. This may not have been the reason, but it makes a lot of sense. There was quite possibly a miracle that was already beginning to take place in her body, and even as the Lord told Abraham what was going to come of it within the year, she still couldn't believe it. What does this mean for you and me? I think it speaks to this idea. There are miracles going on all around your life, but we're usually quick to excuse it away. Even when a full-blown miracle seems to be happening, we question it. Maybe not right away, but down the road, our doubt begins to creep in. I never thought that I wanted to be a youth pastor when I was a kid growing up. No I when I was a high schooler, I didn't really connect with the people my age all that well. I had friends, but I never felt like high school was really my place. And looking back on it, I, I guess maybe we all kind of felt that way sometimes. But because of it, I didn't really think that I ever wanted to be a youth pastor. I thought that all I'd ever want to be is, you know, maybe be a senior pastor. And then something happened to me. I got involved with a large student ministry when I was in college. And on Friday nights, me and another college student, we led a home group for about 12 middle school students from this student ministry. And something happened. I I began to realize really quickly that I actually liked middle school ministry and I really connected with, with those kids. And my little miracle was beginning to take place without me realizing how God was setting up something bigger and something better down the road. Now, 21 years later, even though now I'm a campus pastor and I work with adults in that capacity, I'm still working with students And I haven't stopped enjoying it, and and it's something that I thrive off. And it was something that I thought was never going to happen, that I would never want. So let me ask you, was there a miracle there? It wasn't my awesomeness that changed my heart towards the idea of youth ministry. That had to come from somewhere else. You see, the best miracles are the miracles that God performs in our hearts. But those are often the most overlooked miracles. It was a miracle of the heart change that Sarah needed most. God reversing her childbearing status. It was nothing. For him, it wasn't hardest in, hard in the slightest. In fact, in verse 14, that's why he says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? God created the world. He wrote the natural laws. He can also bend them anytime, any way he wants to, however he wants. I'm most amazed when God bends my heart. I'm most amazed when God softens my heart in a way that my stubbornness would not naturally let it be softened. Sarah needed her heart to be to be bent a little bit. She needed to be softened to the idea that even in her old age, God could actually do whatever he wanted. Because even as the miracle was starting, she couldn't get herself to believe it. Now, I dare say the miracle that you need most is not a supernatural miracle that changes a circumstance in your physical world. I would expect that it's very likely that, that the miracle that you need most is a miracle of the heart. You don't need $5,000 miraculously dumped into your bank account while it would be awesome. Um, And some of us got that in the last couple weeks probably. Uh, We don't need that 5,000 bucks nearly half as much as maybe you need the heart of a loved one turned back to you or back to Jesus. You probably don't need healing for physical ailments even half as much as you need the strength in your spirit to help you come out of the sadness that maybe you've been feeling for for weeks or months or years. There is really great hope for us in this story today. Let's face it, it's hard for us to believe in miracles. I know I'm like Sarah so much of the time. Even if I'm told a miracle is coming, I, I tend to doubt it. Even if I'm witnessing the beginning of something miraculous unfolding, I tell myself, there's no way this could really be happening. But Sarah's story gives us, all of us, miracle-doubting humans, it gives us hope. See, God's hands are never tied from doing a miracle just because you aren't ready for it. That's, That's sort of our gospel hope in this message today, that God, in his infinite love and grace for you, is willing to do for you whatever you need him to do. Even though you haven't done anything that's worthy of that kind of love, he gave us the life of his son Jesus even though we weren't ready for it nor had we done anything to deserve it and while that gives us great hope i don't want to not be looking expectantly for what god might want to do in my life there are things that you and i can do to help set the stage for miracles sarah maybe maybe hadn't been ready for what god was going to do in the miraculous but i think abraham in him we see some miracles some things that he does to set the stage for miracles. Here are three things that I think can help you and I set the stage for miracles to happen in our lives. And this isn't a formula to make God into our little genie. Uh, this, this isn't, these things aren't gonna assure us that a miracle is gonna happen, but more than anything they're gonna help us to get our heart right so that a miracle, we, when a miracle happens, we actually see it. And here they are. Number one, prayer sets the stage for miracles. Two, Serving sets the stage for miracles. And number three, waiting sets the stage for miracles. Abraham had the luxury over years of God telling him that he was going to have a son. Uh, He talked with God. Honestly, we're not told of of, of many times where Sarah was talking with God. We're not sure if she did or if she didn't. But in this story, it's evident that Abraham seemed a little more prepared for the idea of Sarah having a child in her old age. See, prayer, that time talking with God, was obviously a part of that. Even in this story, Abraham, he's the one spending time with the Lord while Sarah's in the tent. He's close to the Lord. Sarah's, Sarah's distance from the Lord had to make it difficult to take the Lord's words in such a way where, that it felt real. You know, when you spend time in the presence of the Lord, it makes it so much easier to hear and believe things from him that don't seem to fit in your natural understanding of the world. It's easier to trust God's voice when you, when you know his voice. And that comes through time and prayer. You also see in this story that serving sets the stage for a miracle. Uh, when the Lord came through the camp, Abraham simply, he wouldn't let God leave without taking the chance to wait on him. You might think, what, is, what does serving have to do with a miracle? Let me answer that with a question. Are you more willing to give a child something when they've done something nice for someone or when they've sat on their butt and done nothing for anybody but themselves all day? That one's an easy one to answer, right? Serving is all about getting your heart off of yourself and onto the people around you. Yes, God doesn't do a miracle for us because we've earned it, but I think, like any good father, he also loves to give good gifts, especially when he sees his children's hearts in the right place. Serving simply makes you into the best you that there is, plain and simple. And when you're not thinking about yourself, you see things differently. You're more likely to see the miracle that no one else is seeing. You don't think it has to be only this one way. You can see that this little thing that God did over here is the thing that you actually needed more than the thing that you thought you needed. Serving simply gets your heart in the right place and it sets the stage for miracles. But there's one more thing that I think we see in this story, and that it's that Abraham was willing to wait. He was excited to serve this visitor that that we know was the Lord. Uh, He got their meal ready, and in verse 8 it says, While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Abraham was waiting. I don't know why he knew, but he seemed to know that this was the Lord that was visiting him. He had been waiting for years at this point. The promise of a son for him was not new. He was used to waiting. And so... He continued to wait on the Lord. He wasn't rushing God. Uh, He he was patient. And why is that? It's because the Lord always knows the best time for a miracle to happen. And so there's no use rushing things. I don't know what miracle you're waiting on today. You might be in the middle of years worth of financial difficulty. And even in despair. Uh, And you keep praying for that miracle to take place. You might have a broken relationship That you see no way to fixing. Do you believe that there is one who can fix and mend that relationship better than you could ever dream? Uh, Your child might be struggling in ways that breaks your heart, and you'd you'd give anything to take their pain away. You'd give anything to help them see a better way. Truth is, we all need some kind of miracle. We all have our impossibilities that we need somehow made possible. And hear this. The way through life's painful impossibilities is by trusting God's wisdom, character, and goodness. Your miracle is more possible than you think. God's nature is to work out things that seem humanly impossible. He can do it. And the truth is, He may already be doing it and you might have missed the signs. I wanna leave you with two thoughts as we wrap up here. First thing is this, and I've kinda talked about it already, but here it is. Look around and see whether or not you've missed the miracle that's already been given. As you've been praying for a financial breakthrough, have you missed the fact that you've learned to rely and trust on God in a deeper way than ever before? Which of these things is the better miracle? Getting the money or getting more trust for God? Don't sell God short. He is working in your life. Ask him to help you see how he's doing it. It might just change your outlook on things. And then the second thing is this. Let God set the stage for your miracle by doing a miracle in your heart first. There is no miracle as important as the miracle of letting God have total control and reign in your heart. Let me put it like this. If miracles of grace are happening in your heart, everything else will fall into place as needed. In fact, every miracle you might ever encounter in the physical is simply meant to open your heart more to the goodness of Jesus. Every miracle is aimed at your heart. In the end of today's story, Sarah saw her miracle happen. It says in Genesis 21, Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised. Then listen to this in verse 6. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Don't you love that funny twist at the end? Sarah named the boy Isaac, which actually means he laughs. In the end of this story, God turned her shameful laughter from before into laughter of joy. And today, that's, I think that's what God is meaning to do with you. You may not see your joy with a whole lot of clarity right now. But it's there. It's just around the horizon. Look for it. Expect it. God is in the business of making our miracles happen. He's in the business of drawing us to him and making us sons and daughters and filling us with hope and life. He does that. He's doing that for you today. The real question is this, will you choose to believe it so that you can see it? Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much that you are a God who works in the supernatural, that miracles for you are natural. God, I know that you've worked miracles in my life. I know you've worked miracles that I have not even seen. I haven't chosen to see. God, every single one of us, I think think you're working miracles in our lives on a day-to-day basis. Open our eyes to see those miracles. And God, I pray above everything else, help us not to desire solely for miracles in the physical world. God, I pray that you would give us a longing desire for you to do miracles in our heart. God, I want you to, I want you to change my heart in a way that I can't change it myself. Soften my heart in a way that I can't soften my, myself. Give me a love for people that I In my own right, I can't can't love. But with your grace, I can love them. God, do those miracles in us. Help us to see what you're doing in our lives. Help us to to grow in our trust of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.